0: So if we are going to read the portion of Scripture that I'm preaching from, you will really have to hunt. And if you look in Matthew 6 and read the Lord's Prayer, um, when the disciples' prayer in verse 9 says, This is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, is the way NIV translates that. But you have learned the Lord's Prayer with that tacked on phrase, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And that's been part of the thing that we have learned when we use the Lord's Prayer, when we recite the Lord's Prayer, we include that. And so the question is almost big. Well, what did they run out of ink here in this translation? Or or what's going on? And I'll just make a, a brief note. If you look in the footnote, if you have a footnote in the bottom of your Bible somewhere where it says uh, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen is a, a late manuscript edition some it says some late manuscripts omit that piece and and it's that's all an issue of the the textual criticism and scholarship and original sources that you base current translations on at the point in time when this Lord's Prayer from the Authorized Version, what was called the King James Version was done, they were basing it on texts or manuscripts that they had. And then since then they have discovered more current and probably more reliable uh, manuscripts on which the scriptures are based. And so in the more current and probably more reliable manuscripts, that particular phrase is not included. Now there's a couple things you might wrestle with and you say, well, how does this affect inspiration? And the answer is it doesn't. Uh, God God breathes into his word uh, truth and life and, and brings that to us. And the transmission of that is superintended by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And even if you were not to include, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, that is still true. It is still biblical. And we're going to come to some of the portions that will support that as it it is. But it's almost like you build up to the Lord's Prayer. So today, the message as we close this series is based upon... uh, more our repetition of the Lord's Prayer than it is a chapter verse, as since it ends up being in a footnote in NIV, anyways. But it's an equally powerful piece. It's an equally powerful truth. You recall, maybe you recall, <clears throat> the previous message title in this series was It's Not About You. Um this one is—it's all about you, but not—not not you, you, him, you. Okay, in terms of that particular piece. And this portion of the Lord's Prayer brings us three pieces, three vital truths. I want to remind you of this morning. The first is this, and and this is not this is not rocket science today. In terms of a complicated kind of thing, it just kind of rolls right on out. First of all, it's all about. His kingdom, for yours is the kingdom. And I I don't know, I can't envision the Lord's prayer uh, being prayed or sung, even more so sung, without this last piece. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. It just kind of builds into this crescendo of praise that is offered to God because it is all about him. It's not about me. It's all about God. It's all about him. It's about his kingdom. Now, if you recall, we looked at that kingdom before in verse 10. It says, for your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about it's God's kingdom. It's the rule and reign of Christ in our world. Certainly there is a kingdom of heaven or a kingdom of God. Those phrases, both of them used and probably most likely interchangeable but specifically used for one group of audience. uh, The Jewish people probably understood kingdom of heaven better than kingdom of God. But be that as it may, it it was intended to focus upon the reign of Christ so that when his kingship came, in terms of this king that is born king of the Jews, uh, this one who came—it's about his kingdom. It's about his reign. It's not about our kingdom. We're all about building our kingdom, and we—we we sometimes just kind of abdicate, uh, you know, the throne of God. You know, and just kind of let that go because we're so occupied in what we are doing in our own world around this. And kingdom building is a very, a very common kind of thing. In the Old Testament, in First Chronicles 29, I want to read a portion of Scripture because this kind of reinforces that. This is not just something that something got made up by somebody. But 1 Chronicles chapter 29, it's a part of a prayer that David offers. And we had looked at this one other time before, but I just want to remind you about it. <clears throat> David praised the Lord in verse 10 of 1 Chronicles 29, and it says, In the presence of the whole assembly, saying this, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven is and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things to your hands. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give you and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. It is not an uncommon inclusion to talk about kingdom and power and glory in any Jewish benediction that would have been given to synagogue people as they would gather together. It's about his kingdom. And there are, uh, I want to give you three words that relate to the kingdom. First of all is that it's an outstanding kingdom. Someone said, what's, uh, it, it talked about being outstanding. Who is a man? They, they, said, they said, I heard a definition of a farmer as a man who is outstanding in his field. And that's probably one of those groaner joke kinds of things but but you know uh, when you talk about something being outstanding it's it's like above and beyond it's special it's 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 in a superlative language if you will to describe yeah that that's exceptional kind of thing the kingdom of God this kingdom is outstanding it is above all others you can talk about the 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 domains, of any earthly king, kingship, kingdom. Um, there's a movie long ago, and I think they've done a sequel to it. That's supposed to be out sometime called "Coming to America." If you recall, it was a movie that featured Eddie Murphy, and it was one of these crazy, laughy kinds of things, and just kind of interesting. And the guy goes and but he leaves his kingdom of. Well, I think it was Burundi, and that wasn't it. It was whatever the name of the kingdom was that he was head of, or he was supposed to be coming head of. And he leaves all of that, and he goes to America and, and, and lays all of that stuff aside and takes up very simple, humble means because uh, he just wants to be ordinary in terms of trying to find his, his future wife. And and they do a comparison between what what his kingdom was like on this earth back in wherever Zamunda. Zamunda is where he was. Okay, It took me a to pull it off. All right, and and then America in uh, stark contrast to it. And as much as the lavishness of lifestyle in Zamunda was a part of this prospective king, it, it even in that it compares it pales in comparison to the, to the outstanding kingdom of God, a kingdom of God that is able to dwell in your heart and mind. a kingdom that is able to transcend and cover over all kinds of differences in people and barriers among people to occupy their lives and knit them together, bring them together. All of those things are <clears throat> part of the kingdom. It's an outstanding kingdom. It's also an outlasting kingdom. In other words, of the increase of his government and, and peace, there will be no end. There is, it's, it's a growing kingdom. It's an expanding kingdom. It's going to last. Nothing, nothing that you have is really going to last except probably plastic in the ocean maybe that might last a long while at least so we are told <clears throat> but things generally don't last real long they la- they la- they last until the day after the warranty runs out usually you know is about the way that works uh, so things don't really last all long and so uh, manufacturers have this idea of what they call planned obsolescence where they design something so it's designed to not last. Because that means you gotta get a new one. And you, of course, you gotta get a better one. And, and so, but this kingdom is one that is intended to last. His kingdom is forever and ever. We don't understand what that all means, but I can tell you that, simply put, it means it's gonna be here after you're gone. And if you are part of the body of Christ, you even get to live with it in terms of life to come. So whether it dons dad and mom who have put their faith in Christ who get to live on in terms of their 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 life in the presence of God. That's an eternal dimension. And it is that's a part of the establishment and the purpose of his kingdom. It's also an outperforming kingdom. It does above and beyond what we could even ask or imagine. Whether it's an issue of something that you're praying for or expecting for, he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all of that. The First Chronicles passage talked about that this work of God in his kingdom is something that extends beyond us, and it is a marvel I always find it amazing in dialogue with people who may be on the outside looking in, who haven't yet come to a place of embracing faith, that that they think that they're going to be okay in, by, by not embracing the kingdom. And the kingdom of heaven is among us in the person of Jesus by the work of his Holy Spirit. Embracing by by thinking they can avoid embracing the kingdom. They're taking an awful big risk in life. And uh, when Romans says each one of us is going to give account of our life before God, that is truth. And the issue is, are you part of his kingdom? Or are you going to try to live your own kingdom along the way? It's all about his kingdom. And so in light of that, I choose to follow him. I choose to follow him a follower of the king, a follower in the kingdom, and allow him to be the one who is the person I pursue and seek in my life. It's interesting. We watched the, the recent uh, DVD series and television series, The Chosen, first season of it. But, and, and it's a fascinating rendition of that whole early life of Jesus. But one of the things that comes out is simply, who are you going to choose to follow? I want you to follow me. Follow me. You know, you you, you can make excuses and say, well, later. You can you can say, well, I you know, I, I, I'll follow you a little ways. But no, it's it's all in. Are we all in? Are we choosing to follow him and be passionate about him? You follow him because his is the kingdom. It's all also about power and the power of power. We have people that long for power. We see the politics of things and people trying to exert power. We have we have governors that regulate what you can and can't do, where you should and shouldn't go, how many people should be around you, that kind of thing. And I know that that pandemic approach is kind of lightening up a bit, and we're glad for that, but... But there is this whole sense of power and control. And in this prayer, in this footnote, yours is the kingdom, but yours is the power. You stop and think about it. Start walking through the Old Testament. No, no, that might be a good afternoon after exercise for the afternoon. Where would you see the power of God demonstrated? Well, you start at Genesis, and it says, in the beginning, God created. Zoom. And it wasn't a Zoom meeting, but it was just, it was just, it was, he spoke. And all of that was brought into being. He created. That's power. We manufacture, we don't create, we manufacture stuff. God creates stuff. And you start going through stories in the scripture, you know. You know, the, the power of God. How, how is it that God could demonstrate his power? How, how is it that, that God would, would take a, a prophet Elijah on top of a mountain and have this contest and demonstrate his power in terms of coming in, and demonstrating his greatness of character and the power that's extended and, and, and licks up you know wet wood and, and stone and all of that as a part of the demonstration of the power of God? How is it that you could find him in the midst of a fiery furnace with three Hebrew children and yet his power is there to keep them from being singed even on the edges and so when they came out there wasn't even a smell of smoke about them we love to sit around campfires and smell smoke and yet God sustained those 3 through. And, and, and one chapter, one story, one event after another. People coming up in the book of Exodus to a sea that was parted by the hand and work of God. The power of God set loose. It's, it's about his power. It was revealed in the character of God, who he is. Uh, omnipotent is the word that we use to describe that power. It reveals his character that he is a God who is able to do. Timothy says, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able, he has the power to keep what I've committed unto him against that day. It's his power because it's hooked on to his character it's revealed in the ministry of the son in the book of Romans uh, chapter 1 <clears throat> when 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 Paul is beginning to 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 open up that epistle and he talks about the servant as a servant of Jesus Christ he's talking about regarding his son in verse 3 who as to his human nature was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God, the declaration of God. It's in the ministry of Jesus, Matthew 28, uh, not too far away, talks about that when he says, <clears throat> uh, he sends the disciples out and he saw them, they worshipped him, and some doubted, and then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. All authority, that's power, was, is given unto him. That's all a part of what is the ministry of Jesus is. Is about and so that ministry demonstrates power. How is it that people who are lame are able to walk again? How is it that people who are blind are able to see again? How is it that people who are deaf are able to hear again, even if they didn't have sign language like the Shenandoah camp people? How is it that, that all of those things, how is it that someone who is dead can be raised to life again? That is all about His. Power, the ministry of Jesus. It's revealed also in the working of the Spirit in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is that book that I started but I never finished and I don't make any promise to be able to get it done in two weeks, so we're just going to leave it. Acts 1, 8, you will receive power. The Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It is that working of His Holy Spirit you will receive power when the spirit comes upon you for thine is the kingdom he longs to rule thine is the power his ability to accomplish his purpose therefore i choose to yield to him when you are faced with someone that is more powerful than you um You can fight, but eventually you will be overcome. This weekend is the Big Ten wrestling tournament, which if you lived in State College would be well-known. They happen to be hosting it there. I've been watching some of the semifinals last night and there will be more wrestling that will go on uh, in terms of the finals today. And the skills and abilities of those wrestlers are amazing. Their speed, their quickness, their flexibility—they were contortioned in spots that I don't even think I'd recover from. You know, it just really. I mean, but 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 for them, it's it's amazing power that they have, the strength that they have that that subdues their opponent. It is the power, and, and yet when you try to think about that comparison to the power of God. It is the power of God, but he doesn't bull over you. He's not a bull in the china shop. He's not one who says, you are going to bend. Now, I realize the scriptures say there's coming a day when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and we will have no other recourse than that. And that's where we will say, I yield. If we haven't already yielded, you're going to have to say those words, I yield. Why would we not choose to yield willingly to the one who is all-powerful, who is able to demonstrate his power to us and in us? So we choose to yield to him. And then the Lord's Prayer concludes with yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And there are several things I want to remind you of in this particular aspect of the glory of God. There's a word picture when you talk about glory. In the Old Testament, when God established direction and uh, detail for how he was to be worshipped, he created a tabernacle, uh, a place where he would promise to be and dwell and there was a lot of regulations, stuff we were reading the other night as we were going through the Mission 119, a daily Bible reading. And it was talking about the 12 tribes of Israel and four tribes of Israel were on this side, north, south, east, and west. And they were camping around the tabernacle that was at the center. It's always interesting that Jesus, by that picture, of the tabernacle, had that place in the very center of the people of God and much like he longs to be the center of our life as well. And and they they were all stationed at a particular point and so many tribes, these three tribes in each location, each quadrant, and then how they were supposed to do their, their work and all that was detailed there. But remember first. The Godness of his glory. It was that, it was that she- used the old test Hebrew word, shekinah. It was like this glory of God, the presence of God that would dwell. And you, and you can recall from maybe Bible stories or studies or Sunday school or whatever may have been a part of your journey, where they would have uh, pictures, maybe. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a day of flannel grass you know he's put it on the board and hope that it sticks there you know and and then talk about how the how the, the 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 visible presence of god a cloud by day a pillar of fire by night was that manifest presence of god in the middle of his people and they knew that his glory was there in in psalms uh, psalm 19 verse 1 it says it it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. It's, it's, it's the call of, of God. Uh, I just want to get a couple more verses from that, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour, pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech, which where their voice is not heard, their voice goes out to all the earth to their words, to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion. It talks about the language of the majesty of, of God and his glory. The heavens declare the glory of God. Now, I, I know that we're all into spacey things these days. So now we've got our rover on Mars and... People, uh, we were listening to the radio the other day, and and uh, they were talking, interviewing somebody that was wanted to go live on Mars. I thought, well, do I would I want to live on Mars? You know, with, you know, unless they had Mars bars there, I wouldn't be interested, I suppose. But I, you know, whatever. Uh, but but you know, would you, the greatness of God, the glory of God demonstrated in all of His creation, and it is an amazing, amazing picture. Remember his godness. Remember his goodness as well. In the Gospel of John chapter 1, when when John describes the person and work of Jesus in in his initial uh, dialogue, he he, he says this down in verse uh, 14. He says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth, full of grace and truth. It is the goodness of God that's demonstrated in terms of that glory. God is great. God is good. The goodness of God. I should have worn my ball cap today. God is good. God is great. We have friends that just retired in Florida. They actually, visited with us one Sunday when while we were here, uh, came with us to service and really liked it. They were trying to they were trying to export Amber and Rebecca to go down to Florida, but thankfully they did not succeed. But Jim, my friend, just retired uh, from his ministry there in Stuart, Florida, and every Sunday they broadcast their stuff. Uh, every Sunday. Uh, this was their standard greeting. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. It's the goodness of God that's reflected, reflective of his glory. And then also his greatness. I wanted to look at a verse in Isaiah chapter 42. So let me find that. And then we'll, we'll move to another aspect of our worship today in uh, Isaiah 42 and and verse 8. He says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. God is very jealous, I guess. Although we don't think of jealousy as something that's a good thing. But God is very jealous of his name. He does not long or want at all to share his glory with another. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So in light of that, I choose to magnify him. And the psalms are filled. Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be. Choruses we develop. Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. And I won't read the rest of it, but but it just it's we develop these choruses and songs relating to his kingdom and his power and his glory. And so I choose to magnify him. So today I simply want to remind you that this gospel and the disciples prayer, it's not about me or it's not about you. It's not about our preferences for things. It's all about him. So let his kingdom come in your life. Choose to follow him. Let his power be released in your life. Choose to yield to him. And let his glory be displayed through and above your life and magnify him for His is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.